Hey, you're listening to the Catalyst Church Podcast, here to incite change through Jesus. Check us out on social media, Catalyst Church NZ. Now, onto this week's message. Preach to you, share to you a message that I've called Revival, It's in Our DNA. Revival, it's in our DNA. For those of you that were in the church at the start of the year, I talked about how I felt for 2023, this was going to be a year of renewed passion for Jesus. Like, you know, where renewed is where we reestablish once again. For me in my own life, I was wanting to reestablish a passion for God. And when you look at the dictionary definition of the word passion, uh, it basically means a barely containable emotion. In other words, that passion would be something that is like about to burst out at any same like it's like bursting at the seams and they're like you're just gonna just come out and go and for me when I think about this renewed passion I can't help but think of revival and I want to read to you uh, from the Bible in Acts chapter 2 and it says this in verse 22 it says this men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the, de- the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verse 37, it continues on, it says this. Now when they heard this, there was a whole lot of preaching. Paul goes on and he preaches all this stuff. When they heard this, they were cut to their hearts and they said to Peter, sorry, not Paul, Peter said this. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom, our, whom the Lord our God calls to our, himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation so that these so those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And, the, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, this is an incredible story. What's happened here is, let me set the scene a little bit, is that Jesus came. He had lived on this earth. He had done incredible miracles, and then he's crucified on the cross. And then Peter here starts preaching and sharing about how uh, here that the cross couldn't contain him. Death couldn't contain him. We know that on the cross he died. But what also happened is three days later on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrated it just a couple of weeks ago, he rose from the dead. And when he came back from the dead, he said to his disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of God that is going to come upon you. And so he sends them out to wait and and go out there and they wait. And all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes out and this miraculous outpouring happens in this place. And then we lead into Acts 22 here and then Peter comes and he shares and he starts to share the Word of God with everyone about what's happened. And 3,000 people that day get saved. Like 3,000, this is an incredible uh, part of church history. This is our DNA. This is where the church is birthed. Like we had the movement where Jesus was here on the earth and doing all these incredible things. He's there in the space. He does this and then he goes and then they go and they pray. And they pray and they wait. 
And they pray and they pray and they pray and they spend 10 days there in the, what's now known as the upper room. And they're there and they're waiting for God to come and move. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God is poured out and you see the Spirit of God pour out in such a mighty, miraculous way. You can read it earlier on in chapter 22 there. And people were getting saved and the Word was getting preached and people were getting baptized. There were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles. There was an outpouring of power. God was in the midst and people were connecting and meeting with one another. This is the picture of revival. This is the picture of revival that the Bible paints for us in Acts 22, uh, chapter 2 rather, from verse 22. This is the idea of what God wanted to happen with the pouring out of here. And we're seeing the birth of the Christian church and it was birthed out of a place of revival. It was birthed out of a place of the Spirit of God moving. This was what the start was. People getting saved. All this stuff going on. And, the, and no matter what we say, how we act or what we do, revival is meant to be a part of the church. It is meant to be something that we carry. And so I want you to take a little liberty with me for a moment because this is what I do is I like to imagine what revival could look like today. And I want to paint a picture of revival or what it could look like for us here at Catalyst, us here in this nation of New Zealand and Auckland here right now. But when I come in and we drive into this place that there is a car park that is packed. Man, the thing that I love about this place is there is so many car parks. There is car parks for Africa. Like we don't have to worry about coming up my cramped driveway and trying to like, like jam cars in. There is car parks everywhere. But I'm believing that this car park out here can be jam-packed just like my driveway. Like there would be, so, there would be traffic problems. Like that, that AT... Auckland Transport is going to have to put up those signs, those orange LED signs that says, warning, unless you're going to church this morning, avoid this area, traffic delays ahead. Like where we literally get Auckland Transport bringing people to come in, that it's no longer just one service or a, a, a night service, but there is multiple services going on in this space, in this room here. There is capacity for 160, 200 chairs. Like I know that the fire rating for this place, I think is 200. So like, we can fit 200 people in this place. You're thinking, Andy, how can we fit 200 people in this place? When revival breaks out, we can believe it there. See, I believe in that revival looks like this, where there is spontaneous praise and worship, where people just want to love on God. On my Instagram reels right now, I follow a guy, his name's Jimmy Levy, and he's been over in Brazil and he's been over in Miami. I love this dude. He is just so on fire, so passionate for God. He used to be, you might recognize that name from uh, America's Got Talent or, or America Idol, I think it was. He was one of the finalists there. But he is on fire for God and he's leading a worship revival where people just start in spontaneous worship. He's been in like supermarkets and there's just worship coming up because there's people there. He's been in the mall where worship just comes. It reminds me, I was over in Planet Shakers at a conference and uh, we're on a lunch break and we're in the, the food court of the local mall and there's all these people that are just on fire for Jesus. We've just been there. Someone has a guitar. They start playing. The entire food court erupts in spontaneous praise and worship. I want to tell you, there is a sense of revival that God's, these are the things that I dream about. Like I look around this room and I'm believing that there'll be no empty chairs. Like that, that every chair is not just a chair as, as a, or, or a place to put your butt, but it's a place for somebody to come and sit down and experience and know what the power and reality of God is. I want to believe that miracles just start erupting. Like it's not that because the pastor comes and lays hands, but because God is just moving. 
I've heard stories of people being in meetings where all of a sudden they're there and then they've been praising God and then they feel a click or a crack or something go on and they're like, oh, what's going on there? And their shoulder's been healed. Their knee has been healed. All of a sudden, miraculous outpourings happen, not because anyone's doing it. I'm believing that when the revival comes, when see, we sang this song today, God, uh, Give me a fresh fire, like light a match. Like like this whole picture of fire is like revival fire. Like the Bible talks about fanning into flame, like, you know, the gift of God that's inside of us. And this idea of fire and that, like it's attractive and a revival comes like that. And revival is just the same. It'll draw people. This morning I'm praying and I'm declaring that people will come from the north, the east, the south, and the west, that people will travel to come along to be a part of it because people are desperate for something real, something genuine that God will be moving, that people are in this place, they're getting saved, they're getting delivered, that there is signs, wonders, healings, that there is a sound of prayer that cannot be stopped, that there is encounters with the Holy Spirit. This is what revival looks like, that people are so on fire. They're so hungry for the Word of God. They're so hungry to have an encounter with God. They're so hungry to have something genuine, that they'll put aside everything else that's going on and they'll get up early in the morning and they'll be here at eight o'clock to help set this place up, Praise Jesus for the setup team. And it won't be a worry when your alarm clock goes off and you're going, man, it's 6.45. What am I doing getting up at this hour? Because I'm ready for a move of God. I'm ready for revival to be stirred in. And here at Catalyst, we want to reach and impact our community, our city and our nation of New Zealand and this planet with the gospel power of Jesus Christ, seeing life transformed, seeing people discovering who they're designed to be, empowered to serve and lead in every area of life, where our kids are not just children, but they are tomorrow's leaders when I think of revival I see a church that is deeply committed loving and caring amongst those who are broken and hurting the lonely and that they help them find refuge find hope and find belonging here in this place that we would see this nation of New Zealand serving and loving God experiencing and knowing His power His presence and reality see God is exciting God is moving God is wanting revival to break out This is Catalyst Church. And because we have Jesus, He is our catalyst to bring about a rapid and long-lasting change in your life. See, if you're a Christian here in this place, I want you to remember what it was like when your life was transformed that very first time. I remember when I was 16 years of age at that camp and I had that first encounter with God when I realized and understood that God was real, that the weight of my sins were taken away from me, that the burden that was gone and that Jesus was alive. See, imagine how you'd feel after being in a, in a meeting that was looking like what I just described where the power of God is flowing. People are just there. There is an excitement. See, when I come into church, I jump and dance because there is something inside of me. I've discovered that when I physically activate my flesh and bones, that my spirit will follow, that I, will, I, I choose to throw up my hands no matter how sick I might be feeling, no matter how tired I might be feeling, no matter how much I don't want to do that. That's what I do because that is a choice that I make. And I want to share with you some of the keys that the the early church did, what they did to steward this thing called revival back in their day. And I want to turn back and I want to read to you from Acts chapter 1 and verses 12 to 14. It says this, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, 
which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, great name, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these were one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. See, what they did is, in order to usher in this move of revival, is they devoted themselves to prayer. And all of the disciples, they came together, and I love this, that it wasn't just the disciples, it wasn't just the in crowd or whatever, but they, they brought them in together with the woman and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. See, when they come together to pray, this wasn't just a shopping list prayer, my friends. See, I don't care how many issues or needs that you have. You cannot go 10 days saying, I need this and that. Like, you, like if you can go an hour, man, you've got a long list. Like, you know, they came into this place and they had a heart of earnestly petitioning God that God would come and move, that His promises would be filled. This was an interaction that was seeking, searching, longing, meditating, listening for God. And in a world of instant, instant gratification and satisfy, satisf, satisfaction, it's no wonder we find it difficult to pray. It goes against the very culture and world that we live in. Everything that we experience here today is designed to be faster and to do all the work for us. Fast to us, fast acting, less time, less work, less trouble. I went through the drive-thru at Burger King this week. There was no other cars ahead of me and they asked me to park around the front and wait for my burger. I was trying out the new burger that they got in there. It's the delicious new burger, the burgerito or whatever it is. I highly recommend it. It's delicious. But they told me to drive around the front. I'm like, there's no cars behind me. There's no cars ahead of me. Why can't you just make my burger and I'll get it here? And I drive around the front and I have to wait three whole minutes for them to make my burger. Three whole minutes for this burger, man. I couldn't make a burger in three minutes at home. But here I am thinking to myself, oh man, it's taking forever. We live in a world where we just want it now. But there is a prayer, there is a sound where we need to get some tenacity around us, some perseverance, some grit that would say, you know what, I'm going to petition God. I'm going to spend time seeking, searching, spending time in His presence, putting aside the distractions of what's going on here. See, prayer is a self-initiated connection with God and requires an investment, an investment of our time. And we can thank Jesus for bridging the gap so that we are no longer dependent on anyone else or anything else to initiate this prayer. He was our high priest so that we can now have direct access to the throne room of God. And I want to tell you, there is incredible power in prayer. It has the ability to shift things that cannot otherwise be shifted. It moves and activates things in the realm of the Spirit. I know this because I've seen prayer work. I've seen it go through. And I know that for me in my own life, I'm praying for my parents. I'm believing for my mum and dad to come and know Jesus. And for the longest time, my dad and I, like, we've got a great relationship in terms of, like, you know, there's nothing wrong there. But, like, whenever it comes time to speak to him on the phone, like, we have a 30-second conversation tops. That's what it used to be, like, 30 seconds. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Do you want to speak to your mum? Okay. That was, like, how our conversations went. That's not even 30 seconds. Like, you know, that's what it was. And I started praying for my dad. I was like, man, God, I just, I want something more from here. So I started 
calling my dad up and started going there. My conversations went from a 20-second phone call, and we started spending like 10, 15, 20 minutes on the phone just talking about our weeks, talking about our lives. At the time, I remember I was really believing that there would be a breakthrough in this. My dad said to me, hey, your grandfather, when my grandfather was alive, he's not doing so well. Can you pray for him? My dad was asking him, me, me to pray for my, 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 my grandfather because even my dad, unsaved, not knowing what it is, understood that there is power in prayer. Jesus says this in Matthew 16. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. See, when Jesus made this statement, he was talking about Peter's revelation. This revelation didn't just come because he was like one day like, oh, this is that. It came because he had time in prayer. He came time spending around. Around Jesus, and the fact was not shown to him by man, but by the Father. He was talking about his relationship with God, and Jesus's pattern for building the church and the revival on which it was founded was an intimate relationship of knowing Him. In other words, spending time in prayer. And I want to tell you, our adversary, the devil, does not want us to activate this around our lives. He's super happy for us to be spoon-fed Christians, living off other people's revelations, other people's Bible times, other people's prayers, because he knows that if we don't pray and read the Bible for ourselves, then he has already won because we become a contained Christian. We're contained to our own ideas, our own world, our own sights, our own limitations. Jesus wants to break you out of your box of where you are. And the only way I know to do that is through prayer, seeing that go through. The second thing that I believe that if we want to see revival birthed in our nation, in our hearts, is that we need to hold firm to convictions. Hold firm to convictions. The first thing is to be devoted to prayer. The second thing is to hold firm to convictions. We live in a day and age where truth is subjective. This means that whatever you want to be or believe, you can be that or you can believe it. And where beliefs are changed and swayed based on the experiences and situations rather than absolutes. But I want to tell you, we have an absolute here in the Word of God. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And I want to tell you right now, this is truth. It is unchanging. And Peter's preaching an example that we see in Acts 2 as an example of a reflection of someone that stands on strong convictions that he has carried for his life. He knew what he believed. He was steadfast and he was bold in proclaiming it. Matthew 5.14 says that we are the light of the world. This means that we stand out with our outstanding standards. In other words, we cannot be double-minded. We cannot be fence-sitters. We cannot be lukewarm in anything that we do. We cannot allow the situations that we face to dictate to us our beliefs, but rather impose our beliefs over the situations we face. The one thing that I know this about this is that truth trumps facts. Truth trumps facts. The fact is you might be feeling a certain way or you might be facing a certain situation. But the truth is, is that Jesus is more enough, that Jesus is our healer. You might be feeling sick. You might have, the facts might be you have a medical diagnosis, diagnosis from a doctor that says you are this. 
That is the facts. The truth is, you were healed by His stripes. The truth is, is your bank account might have a little negative sign before the numbers. The truth is, is that we have all the riches in Christ Jesus that He will, he will abundantly bless us. Truth trumps facts. And we need to be wary of the situations that we face as they try to alter our beliefs. Of course, we will grow and progress in our knowledge of the truth, but we must always be held in line with the Bible and with good counsel. Get around good teaching. Get around good people. Good. The Bible says there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And if you want to succeed with your convictions, then you must hear from God. God then provides for us the grace to live out the convictions that He gives us. So make sure you do, but here's the key, is that you make sure you don't try and force your convictions onto somebody else. See, people will notice what you believe by the way you live your life. I remember... I worked at Ticketek and I used to upload all the events onto their website there. And we started in the web department where I was, we started a swear jar. And we had three tiers of swear words and the really bad swear words, the, the multi-syllable swear words, the multi-word swear words. They were a tier one. And so you had to pay a buck for one of those or $2 for one of those, sorry. And then there was tier two swear words. They're just your standard kind of like, you know, you're listening to a movie and they're, they're in there and they're out there. And you're like, yep, okay. They're a $1. And then you did your tier three swear words. They're like the ones that are kind of basically like almost Christian swear words. Like, you know, the lower end of those ones there and, and, and there, they were 50 cents. And we had the swear jar. Uh, there and the whole idea is we'll put this money into the swear jar and then once it's got enough money in there everyone in the team could go out for lunch I was like this is a great idea let's do this and so as, as we went around the swear jar I didn't invest into that swear jar because my conviction is not to swear my conviction is to speak wholesome and to speak life and uh, my co-workers they started to notice this they're like Andy you're not contributing very much to the swear jar I said I know that's why I thought this was such a great idea it was such an amazing idea well that swear jar after we had our first lunch got flagged uh, but praise God I got a free lunch out of it but here's what I noticed as those people around me they stopped swearing when they were around me my conviction rubbed up on them in fact what happened is there was this one girl I remember her she'd go out there she'd drop an f-bomb and then she'd be like oh sorry Andy I mean fudge like she would go out and she would do that because your convictions will change the world around you. Don't try and give them to other people. Allow the Holy Spirit because you are the light of the world. The way you live your life shines brighter than trying to tell someone else what to do. And what happens is that when we tell someone else what to do, we start to end up becoming legalistic instead of running out of a life of conviction. I want to give you a couple of keys of how you know if in your life you become legalistic instead of running by conviction. See, if you, if you do something and it's become performance-based, success is achieved by doing, then you're running off a of legalism. Don't do it because you're doing it because of your performance, because you get to there. If you become legalistic, if what you do brings condemnation to those around you, convictions should bring conviction. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction to people. You become legalistic when it needs attention of others or others' approval in order to be valid. You become legalistic when you are only prepared to offer the minimum effort and you're not willing to go a little bit extra, go that extra mile. But I believe in a world that is so swayed by whatever's going on 
that we are called to hold firm to convictions, to stand on that, to create a foundation. And as we do that, we, we allow a platform to be created for God to come and move and for revival, which is our DNA, to be birthed in this nation again. There is a move of God. I just want to declare and say there is a move of God in this country. There is a move of God in this community. There is a move of God in this nation. The third thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 here is that they devoted themselves to prayer beforehand. They held firm to their convictions. Peter was an incredibly convicted man. And the third thing was that there was miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, desire the gifts of God that they would flow in your life because through that, that sees signs and wonders start to happen. One of the, one of the, 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 the spiritual gifts is, that is in there is the, the gift of miracles. There's another one, the gift of healing. You saw it this morning, the gift of prophecy. There's gifts of words of knowledge. I want to see a nation where the move of God has is, is, got so much happening with miracles, signs and wonders. In Acts 22, it was confirmed that Jesus was the Son of God because He showed signs, wonders and miracles throughout His ministry. See, miracles, signs and wonders were the sign of the early church. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Acts 2.43, Jesus did it. The apostles did it. 3,000 people getting saved on that day is an incredible sign and a miracle. People are experiencing the power and reality of the Holy Spirit, getting healed, delivered, set free. Amazing things were happening here in this place. And Jesus said these words in John 14.12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, I, if you're a Christian, whoever believes in me will do the works, will do the signs, will do the miracles, will do the, the miraculous, will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. The reason Jesus said that is because what happened in Acts 2, when he went to the Father, the Holy Spirit was released so that every person who knows God can now operate in signs, wonders, miracles because they have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's not about you. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is and that he wants to move through your life. And Jesus came to the earth and lived fully as a man to give the example of how a life submitted to God can be lived. People, crowds came to Jesus because He worked miracles. And when we no longer have our sinful nature blocking us, we can do incredible things that we were designed to do by God. Sin is no longer an issue thanks to Jesus. We have moved from sinner to saint. So then when I think about this and understand that that's going on there, why is the signs and wonders, miracles not so, so common these days? I believe it comes down to a word, and that word is desire. We don't desire it. We don't want to pay the cost. See, when you desire something, it's something you think about all the time. You talk about it all the time. You start making plans for it. Like, I don't know about you, if you've ever wanted something new, like I love new bits of tech and new technology and stuff like that. I remember when I got my phone, it's an S21 Plus Ultra. 
uh, there. It's like a really cool phone. I was really like, this is a good, no, S20 Ultra, sorry. Uh, it's a really great phone. It's there. I remember researching and looking it up there. I was on Trade Me. I was looking like like to see what was going on there for the deals because I want to pay full price because that's ridiculous. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for a, for a deal. I'm looking on Facebook Marketplace. Like, I'm just looking and then I'm looking at the reviews. I'm going on YouTube and I'm seeing all the reviews from different people. I'm going on to different places that they go, the pros and cons and why this thing is so awesome. And, and there, you know, like I, I started making plans for that. I imagined that thing there like coming into my life you know I started using my imagination and then I started doing what I could to see that thing happen like I wanted I started speaking to my boss Dean I'm like Dean I need a new phone like you know can we get some like funding from work like like you know I started like figuring out like all these things see what you desire you think about it all the time you talk about it all the time you start making plans about it you start using your imagination and you start doing what you can today to see it come about maybe it's not going to come about today maybe it's not going to come about tomorrow maybe it's not even going to come about next week but as you start desiring it, something stirs inside of you and we need to have a desire for the supernatural to operate around our lives it's who we are called to be we have Jesus living inside of us the Spirit of God therefore we cannot be normal you are not normal Ask God to place inside of you a desire this day. Pray, God, I desire to have miracles, signs and wonders move in my world. Help me to desire signs, wonders and miracles. God, that you would move and do something different here. Get surrounded by it. Man, when you desire something, you're looking it up. Like I, like I can tell what, you, what you're into by looking at your YouTube feed. The algorithms on YouTube are designed by YouTube to get you into a vortex of like, like I call it like the rabbit hole. Like, you know, you ever been on YouTube and you dive down that rabbit hole because you just click on the next video and the next video and the next video? Like you can look on your YouTube screen and you can see what the things that are there, what the desires are that you watch through that. Man, I want, I want to make a proactive decision in my life to desire the things of God, to desire the miracles, to desire revival. So I want to get surrounded by this stuff. I want to go to meetings. I want to hear preachers. I want to be in the room where stuff's going on. And then I want to just try it. I want to just try it. Like if you ever see some man, like, like they come in with a limp or a moon boot, like, 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 man, like a moon boot is like the thing that triggers me. Like a moon boot is literally a trigger. I see someone with a moon boot. And I'm like, hey, what'd you do? And they're like, oh, some accident. I fell off a bike. I had this thing fall on me or whatever it is. Like, I don't care what happened, really. I'm just like, can I pray for you? And all I pray, like, honestly, I prayed for so many people in moon boots. I remember going to, I remember going to Rangeview Intermediate at their lunchtime to hand out flyers for a youth event that I was running. They let me do this. I don't know why, but I had the favor of God to get in there. And I saw some kid with a moon boot. I said, what did you do? And I don't even know what happened. Let's just say they fell off their bike because that's a good way to hurt yourself. And so they, they fell off their bike and they're there and they, they told me this. And I said, can I pray for you? So they're like, yep. And I said, now? They're like, okay. Because like, like my people think you're going to pray for them at home or whatever. And I just said, God, I just thank you that you love this person. I asked what their name was. I think you, you love this person and that you can heal them. God, I pray that you take away all pain this thing would be totally restored and healed in Jesus' name. I just prayed a simple prayer like that. And the first time I prayed that prayer, nothing happened. The second time I prayed that prayer, nothing happened. But I remember I prayed, and I prayed for this kid. I remember it was on the, the field, on the, the back right-hand side, just down on the embankment there. I remember it. And I said, hey, what do you feel? He said, man, I just feel a real heat go through my leg. And I was like, does it hurt? Like, what's going on? No pain. I was like, oh, wow, how long you had that on? It was like a week. And I said, well, like, are you allowed to take it off? And they're like, I need a shower and stuff, but I'm going to take it off. They took it off, and they're like, 
It doesn't even hurt at all. I'm like, okay, praise God, I believe you're healed. And then I said, you might want to put that on just in case like the, 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 the teacher's going to do it there. But like, like, you know, when you go home, take that thing off, get your parents' permission, right? Like do this. Like I want miracles to be commonplace. And they'll only come commonplace when we desire them and then we start being bold, taking those opportunities. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And so today when I think about revival, that it's in our DNA, Today, I, I think that God is calling us to shift our desires back to what happened in that early church. The desires of those disciples as they went up into the upper room with Jesus' mom and Mary and the other woman and the other disciples as they came in there. And they lasted not one, not two, not three, not a week, but 10 days before the Spirit of God. There was a desire to see God move. And God is releasing a desire among his people, among his church, to see the miraculous, to see revival, to see people saved, set free, delivered, healed, that there would be just a move of God that happens in this nation of New Zealand. I look onto the news, I look onto my Facebook feeds, I look into my Instagram feeds, and I see a nation that needs God moving. I see communities, families that need God to move. Church, would you stand with me today? Just stand across this place. We're going to pray. Close your eyes. And if that's you today, you're just going, you know what, that's me. I need that desire to be activated in my heart. Feel free to lift your hands as a sign to God that would say, God, that's me today. God, I need revival to flow in my life. Father, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, that you are here in this place. And God, our DNA, our inheritance is exactly the same as what it was for the early church. God, you want miracles to flow. And God, as we have our hands and hearts raised to you today, Holy Spirit, I pray you would birth inside each one of us a desire that you would come and move in our lives in such a powerful way. Lord, to see the miraculous, to see revival, to see people set free. Lord, to see those that are held captive by the bondages of sin be released. Lord God, to see, I just see anxieties going. I see people that have just got, like, that are just so anxious, so caught up. Lord, that they would drop off in Jesus' name. God, as we stand before you here today, I thank you for your presence, power, and anointing. God, to touch people's lives in a powerful way. In a moment, we're going to wrap up the service. And if you need prayer for anything in particular, you know, you want prayer for something, you can come up. I'd love to pray for you and believe for you. But before we do that, if you're here today and you don't know what it means to be in relationship with God, just with everyone just standing where they are, just for a moment, I want to create a moment for you to come and to know Jesus. Maybe you've never made a decision like that before. Today is your day. Or maybe you once made a decision like that before, but you know you're far from God and you need to come back today. You too can make that decision. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer and you simply pray after me and we're all going to pray it to encourage each one in this and recommit our lives. And you make it your prayer. Or maybe you're here today and you just don't know where you stand before God and you want to be sure. You pray this prayer and you make it yours. Because the Bible says that sin separates us from God and that what we earn when we sin is death, but that God paid the price 
to give us the free gift of salvation that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here today in any one of those three categories where you haven't given your life to God before, you once have, but you know you're far from Him, or you don't know where you stand before God, but you want to be sure, you pray this prayer and everyone's going to pray it with us. So pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I surrender my life. God, I'm sorry for every wrong thing that I've done. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price so that I could be set free. And today I choose you as my Lord and as my Saviour. I thank you, Jesus, that I'm now a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to pray with you at the front desk. We've got like Bibles and some information to talk to you about the next steps. But I just want to say, you know, church, I love, I love just being in the presence of God and it's so good to be here. And I'm believing that God has got something significant for this nation of New Zealand. There's been many words that have been spoken over the years where revival would come. And all I know is that we're one day closer to Jesus coming than we were yesterday. And whenever He comes, I want to be ready. And I'm believing that revival will be a part of our DNA once again, where there would be miracles, where there would be people that get saved. So I want to encourage you, you know, church, it's so awesome to see you all here. You're all welcome to come back again next week. We're on at 11 o'clock. Take a card, invite someone along. You never know what might happen in their life. Uh, there. Um, but if you need prayer for anything, then I'm going to invite you to come up the front. We'd love to pray for you. If that's you, if you've got kids.